Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Wednesday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal, glad to have you along for the next hour. We can get in all kinds of stuff. You know, We're kind of tongue-in-cheek talking about Joey Chestnut being the most dominant athlete of all time after the hot dog eating contest. I have a guy that might really be that. Yeah? Yes. Novak Djokovic. Oh, there you go. Holy Moses. A real athlete. A real live athlete. Does he get to play the U.S. Open this year? Or are the idiots running this country still not letting him in because Mm. of COVID? Notice how COVID went away when Russia invaded Ukraine? Yep. Isn't that odd? Oh, yeah. Anyhow, I think Djokovic gets to play. He's trying to win the Grand Slam. He's won the first two. He's in the semifinals at Wimbledon. He's incredible. Incredible. And he is an athlete. He is an athlete. (laughs) Sorry, Joey Chestnut. You're an eater. You're a hobbyist. You're not an athlete. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) His, you know, normally if you're an eater, your body isn't very athletic looking. Uh, Joey Chestnut's pretty athletic looking to be such an eater. What do you think he has on a normal day? There are some people who don't look like athletes who are athletes too. So that's true. I, yeah. What do you think he eats on a normal day? Yeah. I think normal stuff. Just a, a normal amount of food. Yeah, I think it's normal. Normal intake of food. I don't think it's anything more or less. I think it's just normal. Hey, by the way, I saw. I know what I'm doing next Fourth of July. What? I'm going down to Key West because they had a oh. key lime pie eating contest. Oh, I love key. Lime I am pie. absolutely in on that. I love key lime pie. Yes, me too. I want you to explain something to me at the end of the show that I just don't understand. College football related. You're usually the one explaining stuff to me, so I'll try. Well, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out how this makes sense. I want you to explain to me why it makes sense. Big 12 media days start today down in Arlington, Oklahoma State, Texas. Among the participants today, I have a question. Who's the best coach in this league? I saw a list that I can't wait to go down. The longest tenured coaches, now that Pat Fitzgerald has been shown the door. That's what I, that, that's going to be what I want you to explain to me. Oh, boy. By the way. Thanks. Thanks for that. No, no, no. It's uh, not, not necessarily that. Just, I don't want to explain what happened in the locker room. No, 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 no. I don't. I'm, it's no. not that. Oh, okay. It's not that. But he's been shown the wayside, so it's been shoved to the wayside. So now, who are the longest ten? I wonder if, how many you can get of the top ten in the country. Of longest tenured coaches? In the country. Okay. Uh, what position group in the Big 12 is the best? In the entire Big 12. In the entire Big 12. Like, like um, so-and-so's kicker. Or okay. the quarterback room, uh, you know, okay, whatever so, it is. Because so, like what I say, I see what you're saying. 
You mean as on a team? On on any team in the league. Gotcha. Who has the best position? Because I say group. in a in a conference, the best quarterbacks are in the Pac-12. Does no, 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 no. I'm talking like about that. within the gotcha. Big 12 gotcha. on a team. What position group is the best? Gotcha. What do you think the send-off is going to be like here in this final season for Oklahoma and Texas? And then also look into your crystal ball and tell me how many and who are in the Big 12 in, say, three years. Uh, we've got a young man that uh, hails from Elk City, Oklahoma, has moved to Edmond, who is trying to make history as we speak. Up at Southern Hills in Tulsa, we'll tell you all about that. All-Star game last night, a couple of uh, notable things happened throughout that. Uh, what are some of your favorite memories of the All-Star game? I saw one yesterday that that I kind of forgot about, and it piqued my interest in this question. I think, you know, just moments at All-Star Games passed. And then there was an incredible golf shot hit last night at Elk City Golf and Country Club during the Tuesday night men's scramble that is worthy of being told the story on the air. Love to hear it. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225 225- Nine six nine eight. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside of the listening area and want to stay in touch with the show live, do that a couple of different ways. Log on to kadsam.com, or you can download the app. The app has it all. Radio, Penny News, brand new edition of that Penny News. Hit the website last night at midnight, thepennynews.com. You can check out the new deals there. Print edition will be filtering out this evening. By tomorrow morning, you can pick up a fresh, free copy of the Penny News anywhere. Around, I mean, basically, the middle of of America. Absolutely, yes. Big Elk and Paragon TV coming at you. It's getting close. Month and a half. I've been down in the lab getting ready. And this, there's starting to be some talk about that around these parts. Which I appreciate. Yeah. So that's uh, there in the app as well. And, of course, Skinny on Sports Podcast. If you missed the show entirely, you can find us literally anywhere where you find any other podcast. We'll be right there with you. How are you this morning, Jared? I'm well. I'm good. Ready for another hot day. How about yourself? It is going to be hot. I should have. I just thought it was. Uh, I just thought it was hot yesterday. So I played golf instead of mowing the yard. That was a bad choice because it's going to be way hotter today. May yeah. have to, may have to so put that off. To, yeah, <laughs> I may have to put that off to another day. I think I'm going to go to a movie. Really? Yeah. What are you going to see? The new Mission Impossible. Today? Yeah. It's a Wednesday I, release? Yes, it is. That's weird. They try it's to, normally a Friday release. Well, they try to you know release it a couple days before the weekend. To try to make money. it look yeah. better. Yeah. But How many is this? The Mission Possibles? Yeah. I think this is seven. Yeah. How is, there, a, how is movie, that many? How is there that many impossible missions? Apparently, there's a lot of impossible stuff going on, but... Um, I think it's. I think the what's more impressive is Tom Cruise is 
Still going. Still doing it. He's like 60-something, isn't he? Or almost 60? He's got to be getting up to 60. But he's still doing I mean, he's doing all these stunts. It's his own stunts. I saw this featurette where he's driving a motorcycle off a cliff and yeah. with a with a uh, parachute on his back, and he really did it. No CGI, nothing like that. He is 61. He's 61. He's still doing this stuff. It's pretty yeah, impressive. There was a, it's actually inspiring. Like, man. There was, was it a, it was kind of a preview to this on one of the channels the other day. Yeah. And it, it was showing this exact scene, kind of how it started. I'm like, holy cow, he does that. Oh, he does it all. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Tom. You know, he's had it, he's been interesting because he was obviously the, the young heartthrob guy. Yeah. Then he seemed to go through crazy Tom Cruise stint there. And then now he seems like kind of the cool dude again. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's very, around he's long very self-aware. Like you know, yeah. he, he's you know, he's got, everybody goes through their trials and tribulations and everything. But you know, with everything that he went through, Scientology, Katie Holmes, all that stuff. But now it seems like he's very down to earth and self-aware, and he's very passionate about making movies, like real movies, not like green screen bunch of CGI. Like he's like, hey, if I'm gonna do, if we're making a movie, I'm doing this. And, Shall we blame it all on Katie Holmes? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she messed up Dawson. That's a slippery slope there. Yeah, <laughs> she did. <laughs> you know, Joey messed up Dawson there. Yep. Pretty bad. And Pacey, of course, maybe the name messed him up, but, oh. Oh, boy. No, but, um, yeah, seven, in this movie, it's like, it's like it's called Dead Reckoning Part 1, so there's a second So you know there's another one coming. Coming, like, next summer. And I think he said that's it. That's that's done with the Mission Impossibles. Which kind of makes me sad because I'm enjoying them every time they come out. Oh, Do you know what his real last name is? Uh, no, I don't. Mapother. Yeah, probably a good career move to change yeah. that last name. Uh, his name is Tom Cruise Mapother the Fourth. <laughs> yeah, good move. Good move. Good move. Just shortening that to old Tom Cruise. Yeah. How much cooler does Tom Cruise sound than Tom Mapother the Fourth? <laughs> exactly. Mission Impossible starring Tom Mapother. <laughs> nope. Great move for Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise is cool. Top Gun starring Tom Mapother. <laughs> that doesn't really roll off the tongue. Does if it? his name was Tom Mapother, he may never have been in Top Gun. That's right. Tom Cruise, <laughs> feel free, chime right in. <laughs> All right, so that's good. Uh, well, I mean, because the kids rolling. are out of town. They're, they've been out of town all week, and and I've been finding myself. I mean, I watched all the game last night. Just I'm not chasing kids. So my wife went to uh, dinner with her friends last night, and she said, well, you know, you can go do something. So, so I think I'm going to go see well, this movie. <laughs> what else do I got to do? Well, thank you for allowing me to do something, Allie. Right, thanks Appreciate for, that. Thanks for taking the leash off. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a joke, but I'm not going to make yeah, it. Probably not. I'm going to be very, yeah, very quiet. Yeah, Move yeah. right along. Doesn't involve her purse and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a jar, something like that. Sometimes they're on the mantle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last night there was I did not witness this with my own eyes, but I did get it verified by two separate sources other than the person telling the story. Okay. So I, f I feel like we can bring this to air, and its validity has been confirmed. So it's the Tuesday Night Men's Scramble. We're on number seven, par three, water left, cart path right, headed straight north. 
Gotcha. Okay. Our man, Keem Jordan, or KJ, as everybody knows him, hits a horrific shot off the toe that's heading well right of the green. The pin is in the middle right. If you play it at Elk City, it's in between the fringe and then there's a slope that it's in the that kind of runs down the middle of the green that slopes toward the left. It's on it's right of it, so it's above that slope. Okay. It's really hard to get it kind of in that right in the in the right area. He hits a horrible shot. It's heading straight right. And it hits the corner of the cart path. Bounds left over the mound to like the distance changed a few times as he told the story over and over. <laughs> it went from 20 feet to like 12 feet to like 8 feet, whatever it was. And then he gets up there and he makes the putt for birdie all by himself. Wow. Wow. I mean, hey, my, most of my game is luck, so I'm not knocking it or anything. That is lucky. Yeah, it's lucky, but... It's lucky. If you don't have luck, what do you got? Not only to hit the right part of the cart path, but then also a lot of times it'll just shoot sure. way harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead, it was like a, it was like somebody chipped it. You had a little gnome over there that hit the cart path and then chipped it up nice and soft I as mean, it I've rolled had, over. I've had a bad shot where it was a worm burner and it was going straight for a bunker and it just ramped out of the bunker and landed perfectly on the green. Right on the green. And I'm like, hey, whatever works, it works. So that was... Uh, that was, That's pretty cool. That was the highlight of the night, apparently was the lucky shot off the cart path that KJ hit. And then he made the uh, made the putt all by himself. You watched the All-Star game. I watched the last couple of innings when we got done. Just in time to see, um, what was his name? El- El- Elias Diaz hit the go-ahead home run mm-hmm. in the uh, eighth inning for the National League. I knew that the American League had dominated this game. But when I was preparing the sports report yesterday afternoon i really kind of dug into it i don't think i realized exactly how much they had dominated this game so since 1988 i stopped at 1990 but they won in 89 and 88 the american league was 29 6 and 1 yeah they've dominated it nine straight wins before last night you know think about this jared you don't have a child that was born the last time the national league won before last night that's true uh, he uh, Diaz became the first Rocky to win the MVP of the All-Star Game. It was the sixth go-ahead home run in the All-Star Game in the eighth inning or later. Do you remember who did it last? No, I cannot. <gasps> no. Shame. Oh, no. Who was, I'm not an encyclopedia of All-Star Games. Who was it? Hank Blaylock. Oh, really? Ranger. Very good. You know who else did it? No. You're going to know two names and maybe not anymore. Mike Schmidt, Cookie Rojas, Gus Bell, and Ted Williams. Ah. Thank you to ESPN Stats and Info for that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, how, what, what did you think of the game? I enjoyed it. Three to two. <clears throat> it's like I said yesterday, it still feels like a game. And it's a game full of all-stars, but they're actually playing. They're pitching. They're they're attempting to hit. They're they're making great plays. I mean, the first inning started off with a bang. Two back-to-back uh, grabs at the wall for the AL, not robbing home runs, but robbing extra bases. And and that I'm like, yeah, that's that's what you, that's why they're all stars. So I enjoyed it. 
Um, I thought the pitching was solid and everything. I like that. I'm glad it wasn't like 10 to 8. I like the 3 to 2 and the drama at the end where the American lead had two runners on with two outs with a chance to possibly tie or take the or, or get the win. I was hoping for a tie to extend that thing. I doubt they would have played extras. I don't know. But I enjoyed. That's why I like this. This is one of the best All-Star games of all the major leagues. There's no doubt <clears throat> that it's the best. And it's not even really all that close. The one thing and I mentioned it yesterday and it, what is going on? Why won't they just let them wear their yeah. uniforms? Yeah, I saw more banter about that. I agree. Good grief. 100% agree with you on that one. Those National League uniforms were horrific. Yeah, they're all horrific, man. Just let them wear their unis. Yeah. I mean, make the hats. I get it. And sell them. People buy them. Kids want them. Yeah, whatever. whatever. But, but let them wear, you know, and wear them during, wear the unis. They did during the um, home run derby, but. Maybe switch it. Let them make them wear those uniforms during the home run derby and wear their uniforms during the game. I had a bad feeling when the when on Monday when everybody was wearing their uniforms that they were going. I had a bad feeling yeah, well, that I'd, last night was going to happen. They had announced that they would. I mean, they had r- unveiled them and man, they were making the big deal. Said this is, um, I guess, there's a type of material or a new cut to the uniform that all uniforms will be like in the future. Oh, really? Uh, I guess to cool them down or whatever. But you never notice that unless you actually touch them and feel them or buy one yourself. But So that's what they're they're making that up as a big deal. But I'm always you're always underwhelmed when they unveil these all-star uniforms. They make it a big deal. In every sport, you're like, okay, whatever. Who cares? I'm not buying. No one's buying these. No one cares. So, yeah, go back to the normal uniforms. You're... That's what that's that's what makes it cool too, to see all those. You see a, you know, a Ranger uniform and a Yankee uniform and a, yeah. all of them out there. And like on the text line, you couldn't tell who was who. There's no, no that, way to that's tell. A, yeah, you're right. That's a problem too. Yeah. But yeah, good game. It's the best All Star game. I did enjoy. Sometimes it's a bad move and a little watered down when you have players mic'd up. I did enjoy players mic'd up and and then getting their thoughts and and what was cool was the players they had like more than one at one time and the players could hear each other and they're like kind of conversing with each other they even had a pitcher mic'd up Evalde uh for the Texas Rangers um there's others and which leads me to another point is really cool first time since in a long time it only happened three times in the history of the all-star game where six teammates yeah, are on the field I've at got the same that. time you know yeah. did you know the other two it was the Yankees in 50-something? 39. 39. And it, it was the Brooklyn Dodgers Brooklyn, in 51 yeah, or I mean, something like that? in company with yeah. Brooklyn Dodgers? <clears throat> yeah, it's insane. And that was cool. And, uh, man, you, you think Seattle, I thought, oh, it's going to be overcast. I mean, they had perfect weather. It was a great All-Star game. It, was, it looked like a fun atmosphere. So, speaking of Seattle. And they booed every time Houston did anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of Seattle, that it one of the other times, maybe the last time the All Star game was in Seattle, I saw this moment. It just kind of popped up on the socials yesterday. Uh, it was like twenty two years ago or whatever it was, and it got me to thinking. Okay, what what are some of your favorite All Star game moments? So the one I'm talking about was a young 
newly minted Texas Rangers starting shortstop Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Seeding the shortstop position to one Cal Ripken Jr. as the game is about to start. Joe Torrey's making him, you know, making that motion like you have to do it. Cal Ripken clearly is is not wanting to do that. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> not wanting to be the show, but A Rod made him. Joe Torrey made him, and so then he played the first inning uh, in the, in his uh, in his shortstop position. I thought that was a really kind of one of those cool moments that you would only see in an All Star game. Yeah, um, I wrote down a couple, but the one that was always fresh on my mind. I was a high school kid, but uh, when they honored Ted Williams, um, ninety nine, I think, yeah, ninety nine. And of course, you can't mention All Star Game and and fun stuff like John Cruck versus Randy Williams, Randy Johnson, <laughs> or yeah. Randy Johnson, excuse me, and and who's trading or switching sides uh, of the plate, turning his helmet backwards. And that's what's fun about the All Star Game. And you saw a little bit of that last night. Players laughing, and you know, a guy got thrown out at second, and they're kind of laughing at each other, hugging each other. So it kind of takes you back, like the you know, for love of the game, right? So stuff like that. But those are the two things. That I remember. Yeah, definitely the the Randy Johnson John Cruck is, is iconic. Yes, the way that that all went down. Um, I you know Tory Hunter robbing Barry Bonds, which kind of ended up leading to the tie. I mean, it was kind of the tie. Yeah, yeah. There in Milwaukee when he when he robbed that home run. Um, and then the, the everything surrounding that. That year in Boston, in 1999, the all-century team, Ted Williams, the home run contest, that was just a cool time. And Pedro just mowing people down. So that, those are kind of some of the ones. And then, of course, the, the most iconic thing I think that's ever happened in the All-Star game is when Pete Rose ran over Ray Fossey. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the moment, right? Uh, yeah, totally agree. Only time A Rod was cool. I agree with you there. So uh, good times, good times were had by all last night. I think at the All Star Game, and now we get. Uh, I mean, nothing. I watched. I, w- I wonder what if anyone else watched. You know, ratings wise, I wonder what that looked like. Looked like Seattle brought a good crowd. Yeah. Next year looks pretty cool. It's going to be down in Arlington, right? Very, yeah, they, very tempting to look into. It's kind of interesting that I mean, it used to it used to go back and forth between American League, National League. It feels like they've kind of got gone away from yeah, that. Yeah, I think they're going to. Well, obviously, with the newer stadium, mm-hmm. they're going to go over there. Yeah, I don't. I think they're they are going away from that. So that was the All Star Game. Okay, there's something going on right now, as we speak. Yeah, Scott's right. It ruined, it ruined Ray Fossey's career. It literally did getting mowed over by Pete Rose. There is something going on right now. History is attempting to be made right now. What's that? So in the history of the state of Oklahoma and golf, no one has ever won the OGA Junior, the OGA Stroke Play, and then the OGA State Amateur Championship in the same summer. Former Elk Cityan headed to OU, Mr. Ryder Cowan has a chance to complete that trifecta. And there's actually four if you consider 
the junior stroke play and the junior am, which is kind of two tournaments in one. We've reached the semifinal of the 111th OGA State Amateur Championship. It's all match play. Uh, Ryder has won four matches so far, and it has not been easy. First round match was against Cole Stevenson of Tulsa. It took 21 holes to win that one. Second round match was kind of a Western Oklahoma theme uh, with Luke Phillips, former Sarite, former Swasu Bulldog, current second place team member of the KECO Open. Ah. Uh, Ryder beat him 2 and 1. Then yesterday, William Sides, Casha uh, Hall fame, plays golf at Southern Methodist University, SMU. 22 holes before Ryder could beat him. And then yesterday afternoon, Stephen Carney, who won this tournament in 2012 at Southern Hills, Ryder beat him one up to advance to the semifinals as we speak. Going on also, Ian Davis, the defending champion of the OGA State Amateur Championship, also a member of the second-place team at the KECO. Just give you an idea of That's pretty good. kind of some guys that may make their way out here uh, for that one. Uh, Ian is in the semifinals as well. Through seven holes, Ian is behind a William McDonald. I remember that name. I believe he's Heritage Hall guy from a few years back. Um, and our man Justin Barrick has given us live updates on the text <laughs> message. He said McDonald just made a 60-footer. On number uh, for a sixty footer on number six. Where can you follow? Is it on the golf stats? Okgolf.org. Okay. Org. OGA website. Okgolf.org. Um, doing a better job yesterday. It seemed like the website was lagging a little bit. Wasn't keeping it as up to date as I would have liked it. Uh, but so far today, I mean, Justin sending me messages. He's there, and then it's popping up. Uh, so Ian Davis four down through seven. On the other side, Ryder is playing Mesa Falur. Uh, he is a guy that plays golf at, uh, at uh, UMKC, the Kangaroos. Oh, yeah. And so far, so good. Ryder three up through six. He was four up through five, and then uh, Falur made a birdie on the par three, number six there at Southern Hills. But Ryder three up through six. If he wins, to play this afternoon with a chance to become the first person ever to to sweep the OGA events in the summer. So really cool stuff uh, from a, a kid that grew up here. And, you know, I, I, I got his number from his grandpa yesterday. I just, I would, we, we're going to have to get him on. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of talk about what he's done, you know, from the little bitty kid that was out here that you couldn't wait to see grow up to now a dude that's headed to OU in the fall. I mean, he, he had – from your point of view, I think it's fair to say that he had expectations as a kid. You knew, you saw it, right? You knew, oh yeah, yeah. And he's oh, almost, I got news for you. He surpassed him. People, that- people could not flashback eight years ago or whatever. The idea of Trace and Ryder on the same high school golf team, albeit not at the same. You know, Trace is older. Oh, I mean, paint the banner, mark it down. Add another, yeah. add another title to the list. A two, I think they'd have played together two years. Added to the list, baby. You know, and it just didn't transpire that way. It's funny. I was uh, his grandma was at our house on July the fourth. We oh, were yeah. just hanging out after the golf tournament. Yeah, 
I was asking about him, you know, what's he, I, I knew that this tournament was coming up. What else is he doing? And, you know, that kind of thing. How's it getting ready to go with you? She's like, yeah, he's doing, you know, this and that. And she goes, you know, it's funny because I was talking to him and he was talking about, you know, playing golf uh, at, at Oak Tree where they're at, you know. He's like, yeah, man, me and Javi playing. <laughs> and she, she was like, I was thinking, who, Javi? I, I've never heard of this name. I, is it some kid? You know what? You know who it was? Yeah, Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland. Yeah. Yeah, Javi. So basically he went from having a chance, you know, play with me in the afternoons or evenings to playing with Victor Hovland. It's probably a little bit of an upgrade from here to there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, good good stuff, good kid. And he is, uh, like I said, three up through six holes uh, playing the par four seventh there at Southern Hills. So uh, we will keep you abreast of that situation for sure with the Skinny on Sports Report this evening. Very good. Yeah, very good. And then hopefully awesome. we can uh, we can get him on to talk about yeah that'd be cool what he's done what he's been doing and what's to come uh, in his golf career that would be cool get him on yeah very good Big Twelve Media Day is getting started down in Arlington today Brett Yormark interested to hear what he has to say how much detail will he get into about who or when or how to replace Oklahoma and Texas in this conference with some conference realignment. I wouldn't imagine we'd hear just a whole bunch of specifics about that, but it'd be nice to, you know. It'd be cool if he said, yeah, well, guess what? Uh, here comes, <laughs> you know, so-and-so. Yeah. I mean, with them changing the date to, to get on center stage with their, their media days, and he's been very proactive, and like you said, being businesses open – with the Big 12, going international with it. He's trying to, you know, you've seen everything. He's trying to make it the cool new hip conference and all that stuff. So would it, it wouldn't shock me at all if he came out and said, oh, by the way, a big announcement, Colorado's coming next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd think it'd be two. So Colorado yeah. and whoever, Utah or what, whatever right. it might be. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the difference between Brett Yormark and Bob Bowlesby Night and in, day. like, enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah. even on the same atmosphere. He's like the cool new hip principal that comes in, turns yeah. his seat around backwards. Hey, guys, let's jive a little bit. Hat backwards. <laughs> God, I wish I could remember. <laughs> oh, what was the guy? I'll say by the, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously yeah. Mr. Belding. Yeah, Belding's brother. Belding's brother, yeah. yes. What was his name? <laughs> I don't know. He, Richard Belding R- was principal. Yeah. I can't remember. Rod? Rod, Rod. Rod. <laughs> he was going to take him on a on a trip on a river or something, and he bailed on him for a woman. Yes. Which, come on. Can Zach- you blame him? <laughs> Zachary. Zachary got a lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what uh, he's – so what uh, – is that what the Big 12 commissioner is going to do now? Is he going to leave? Is he bailing? Is he going to bail, go to a – Is he bailing on Mike Gundy for a woman? <laughs> oh, man. All right, so <clears throat> we hear from – God, I had that list pulled up a second ago, and I changed the page. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas. I think UCF is today. Or Houston, Holgerson's there all today. Um. Who's the best coach in this league? Right now, I would have told you, man, I would have told you, and tenure doesn't mean best, so I know everyone wants to say Mike Gundy. He's a good coach, but best coach. And I I look at the parameters of, you know, who could get hired away to go to bigger jobs or in the NFL or 
you know, just stuff like that. I think I would have told you a year ago would have been Matt Campbell, but after the year he's had, so I still say the vert or the the jury's still out on him. Let's see how he rebounds this year. But I I really like Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. He's come in and nothing's changed. I mean, well they've won a lot. I mean they're still winning. Um, he's embraced that culture that it doesn't look like. You know, you'll see head coaches come in, new head coaches come in, and try to change things into their vision. He's kind of come in and said, this is what's always worked at Kansas State, and and he continues that. It feel, it still feels like uh, you know that Kansas State from the late 90s and early 2000s. So I, I like Chris Kleiman a lot. I think he's he's up there as the best. How do you, Who do you got? Gundy. <clears throat> okay. With Kleiman right there. I, I, I don't see how you could possibly pick anybody else but those two. Yeah, I'm going up and down. I can't right now. I think, I mean, what, what Gundy has done at Oklahoma State has been remarkable. And, and, and I get, you know, the tenure of it. Yeah, I mean, he's had, he's clearly the elder statesman of the league. Uh, now that you've you've seen Bob Stoops go into retirement, you've seen Gary Patterson get ran out of TCU. You know, it's 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 Gundy's conference now uh, as far as the head coaching and the, and the longevity. And then, like you said, Kleiman's success that he's had. It's hard to it's hard to do what he's done. He wasn't necessarily the guy, you know. Following the legend, you know there there were some different dips in there. You know the 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 Snyder thing was just so weird as it drug on, and then he was gone, and then he was back. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. just kind of a weird deal. Uh, but he's been awesome. And oh, by the way, the one thing you can't forget about climbing was what he did before he got there. Up there at, at North Dakota, North Dakota, <coughs> yeah. And when they went and got him, and I and I understood because like. That program at that level, that was that D2, um, FCS, whatever it's called, FBS, mm-hmm. that I thought, okay, that seems like a natural fit because that, they just feel like a Kansas State but further north and at a lower level. So go, yeah, get, kinda, go, go get yeah. that guy, you know, and bring him down. But it does, it just still feels like a Snyder program. Right. See, I'm just getting I'm helm. getting text. Gundy's on that downhill slide. If we had this conversation a year ago, everybody would have said Mike Gundy. Yeah. Yeah. He can't I mean injury, yeah, and I injuries agree. Gundy, derailed Gundy last is, season. Is way up there and you're at the injuries thing and, and stuff, but you know, even OSU fans will say, Man, there are things that Gundy if he does listen, you know, why he needs to make more changes at other position coaches and stuff like that and, and that goes into being a head coach. But but you're right. I mean, on the field, he 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 can coach. 156 wins and 75 losses at Oklahoma State. I mean, come on. But I get I get you know the last season didn't end very well. And here's another thing: he's also been there since 2005 as the head coach, and all the warts, all the the negatives that have built up are more apparent on him than anybody else because he's been there so long. So, but but it's one of those two. 
Absolutely one of those two. Yeah. Uh, Spitzer Sanders ended up at Mississippi. Question on the text line. So, who do you think? Do you Gundy's clearly the the longest tenured head coach right here in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I've got a list of the top ten in the country. Can top you, ten, man. I top ten in the country. Can you tell me who the longest tenured coach in the country is right now? Is it Ferentz over at Iowa? Kirk Ferentz. It is Kirk. Ferentz. He was hired like a year before Stoops. No, right? no he was hired time. a day same, after. The day after Stoops. Yes. That's right. Same year. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Do you know who's number two? Is it Gundy? It is not. It's not Saban. It's not Saban. And and it's funny because when you talk about the best coaches in the country, everybody always forgets about this guy, just like you forget about him in the tenured list. But he's absolutely one of the best coaches in the country. Give me a clue. Give me a conference. He replaced Urban Meyer. I don't know. In the Pac-12. Oh, oh, Utah coach. Yes. Um, Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is a number two. Number three is Michael Gundy. Whittingham was hired in December of 2004, Gundy January 2005, when Les Miles went down to Louisiana State. If you can get number four, more power to you. <laughs> I don't know if I've actually ever seen this guy's name before. Oh, then. Uh, I'm... Rick Stockstill. You have any idea where he's a coach at? Southern Miss. Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State. Okay. Number five. They must be really complacent because they have not been good. Eh, make a bowl. Yeah, they make like. <laughs> Number five. His longest tenure. Number five. Keep wanting to say Saban. You're getting close. Okay. <laughs> Wait for the next one. Okay. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Number. Okay. Get again. Give me a conference. Uh. Ooh. Mountain West. Oh, man. Mountain West. Academy. Is that at Air Force? Air Force. Troy Calhoun. December of 2006. Then you get Saban. At six. Number seven? You know him. This is a... No. Help me. Dabo Swinney. Oh, Dabo. Dabo Swinney. Number eight. This one kind of, I went, whoa. No way. Who is it? Mark Stoops at Kentucky. See, now we're getting it. Cause this is 2012. 2012. I mean, it's, See, it's over. Everybody's over a decade. Everybody's a 10 years plus? Yes. Then the last two. Good luck. Dave Duran at North Carolina State and Chuck Martin at Miami of Ohio. Very good. Yeah, I mean, that – remember the days where people held on their coaches a little longer? I mean, now you've got so much coaching carousel fluidity every year. Two years and they're done. When now or get yeah. fired. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I think mean, that's that – It just – so it, it's kind of a testament to surviving that to those guys – 
you know, there's sometimes there are rumblings about Ference, and then he'll go and have a ten win. Season, I know, you know. I mean, you want to talk about? I mean, about... honestly, same thing about Gundy. There, there will be some rumblings about him, and and he needs to move on. Is he needs to take that Tennessee job or whatever? And then he goes and has a 2011 or a 2021 or something like that. I mean, you realize he's only had one losing season at Oklahoma State ever. His first. I, I, I mean, for me. That's just no no one. It's just you take it for granted what he's done sure. now, at that program and how hard it is to win there, how hard it has been to win there. Who who do you think – listen, nothing lasts forever. So who do you think – let's say – I am not. I won't say – Saban will go out on his own terms, but the top five on that list, who do you think will drop or who will quit or get fired or retire or whatever? Um – Who's the first one you think will go? Ference. Feels like that that retirement time is coming, doesn't it? Yeah, or they. I mean, it's hard to say that any of those guys. And nobody's safe. We thought Patterson well, was safe at TCU, and they ran him out of town. I mean, once you get down to Mark Stoops, then from Mark Stoops down, but anybody above him, like Dabo, don't don't you feel like with what Dabo's done, he's already kind of earned that right to go out whenever he wants? Yeah. At Clemson. Yeah. Obviously, Saban's that way. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the inner workings of Middle Tennessee or Air Force, but after 22 <laughs> years or whatever, I mean, it's not quite that long, 2006. So get, getting toward 20, you feel like they can do whatever they want. I mean, do you really think they're going to fire Mike Gundy? No, we've always said that. He, I mean, I, he, guess, he, I guess it was close with all that controversy. Yeah, but he's he, – he But knows. as far as performance yeah. on the job – it feels like he can do – he's there for yeah, it's a whenever he it's, wants. Yeah. And then, of course, Whittingham, I mean, and then Ference. To me, it's Ference. And what's crazy about it is it almost seems like he is the one that – they could actually get fired, maybe. Ference? Yeah. Well, I'll to, tell you, if they have that horrible offense that's that it. they've had – And here's the thing. If he's not going to change it, then they might make well, a change. Yeah, and and you know who the you know who the offense coordinator is? No, his son. Oh, see, they might clean. That's house. the part that yeah that that's where Cause, it yeah. gets a little bit gets a little bit weird, right? With parents on the text line, Gundy two up and down for me. I'd rather have Kleiman in the steadiness of Chris Kleiman. I can understand that completely. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that question earlier, you know if. Where would Mike Gundy go? What 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 is a more attractive job for him? There, I, I just don't think there is. I don't one. think there is one. I, I mean, what if? I don't. I'm not suggesting this would ever happen. But what if it's somebody like Georgia or Alabama gives them? You know, those guys move on and they give him a call and they give they slide a blank check over to him. I mean, not, I mean, you get the offer you can't refuse. You think people would never leave? I mean, let's face it. No one thought Riley would leave. Look That's what true. happened. You never know, but but Riley wasn't there for ten plus years, and Riley's not an alumni of the school, right? That's that's a great point. You know, those those are the things, but you know, and and also Riley's young. I mean, how old's Mike? I can tell you, I got his. Uh, well, he's not I've forty. Got pulled up, fifty five years old. Fifty five. So, I mean, it's not inconceivable if something like that happened in the next year or two or three. You know, he's still he's not like an old man. I just don't. I, I just don't. I can't fathom. I that. can't either. 
I think he wants to stay at OSU, go out on his own terms, get his statue, move on. Yeah, which you know, I mean, and and still stay in Stillwater, and he already ought to have one. You know, the blueprint he should follow is is Bob Stoops. Well, Bob, I mean, you know, he retired on, and it looks like Bob's living his life, well, man, having the time of his life, doing uh, what he wants to do. Just sitting here thinking. I mean, it's kind of getting to that time. You know, Stoops was there from what ninety nine to through the twenty sixteen season. Guess what? That's about where Gundy is right now. Anyhow, Bob did it gracefully. Where you know, obviously, he handed the cues off to somebody who kept it going, but um, it was still a passionate. You know, he's still living in Norman, a passionate fan of the school. Obviously, with his son still there, but still doing his own thing. Like found the per- like he still had that itch to coach. Like, well, I can coach in the spring in the XFL. Fail or lose, who cares? And make some money. I miss then this go one. sell some tequila and doesn't have to feel bad about it because he's not coaching kids anymore. <laughs> right. I missed this text earlier. Skinny and Jared with trivia is like Al and Jim doing music. I wonder who's who in that. Well, Jim usually loses that one, so that I'd be Jim. Well, I mean, I had the answer, so it was a little unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need a moderator. We need a- <laughs> I like it. Okay, so who, in your mind, what position group in the Big 12 is the best? I wrote down a couple. But I, I think our answers are going to be the same. I think Kansas State's O-line is the best position group overall. I do not disagree. The one I would put up against it, and maybe even better, is Texas wide receivers. Okay, I went Texas quarterbacks because if Ewers goes down, they still have a pretty good backup in Malik Murphy and, of course, Manning. Yeah, I went with the right wide receivers. But yeah, wide receivers. You got Worthy. Uh, you got help me out. Whittington. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the the guy and then some transfers. Yeah. That we didn't even see that uh, that Nate Nayer is that how you say that? He came from Wyoming towards ACL. Never even saw him. Oh yeah, yeah. You know he he's back. They 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 are loaded at wide receiver uh, this year. Texas is so that's why I went. I, I would go there. Uh, you know, Worthy is a guy that. If he can just kind of cure a little bit of the dropsies that he had last year as a sophomore, yeah, he wasn't as good as he was when he was a freshman. Yeah, but, it, you're, but you're right because you know the he's drops. Still good, exactly. Very good. And you know he he's a guy that if with a good year is poised to be one of the you know a pick, a first round draft pick with with the way that he can run. Um, you know he's he's fantastic, and then he's got some guys along there with him uh, as well. Yeah, Isaiah Nayer is is the one mm-hmm. that was the transfer that we're going to see now. Um, he had Whitting Jordan Whittington, obviously the the mainstay in, in Worthy. So that's kind of where I would go, and, and if you and especially if you include tight ends as pass catchers, then you got Jatavion Sanders as well, who might be the best tight end of the league, one of the better ones out there. So that's where I would, uh, but I agree. I mean, K State offensive line seems like you can say that every year. They got all, yeah, the, they got them push all you back. around. They they that goes back to that min, that that culture that's always been there since Snyder is that run first, ground and pound, and they're going to continue to do that. Yeah, BB is probably the O you know, going to be the O lineman of the year in the conference. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I think those two are are pretty far up there. Uh, compared to just about anybody else, I think, I think the one group that has the potential and it always has, 
over the last year or two, and maybe this is the breakout time, is the is the wide receiver core at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. They they are loaded as well. Yeah, completely loaded as well. Um, Which leaves my next question. I think we just answered one of them or part of it. Like, what are the best position groups for OSU and OU? OSU wide receiver. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. What OU? Whew. Running back. Yeah. With those young guys that showed up in the bowl game, gives you hope. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to even mention this, but I think potentially, and it's hard to go out on this limb because of what we've seen the last decade at Oklahoma, mm. but I do think potentially it could be the secondary. See, I was almost going to say defensive line. Yeah, I ain't going there yet. Now, But do you count – McCullough's position as a defensive lineman, that cheetah position, he, he drops back or he can yeah, get down, kind of, it's hard get on to, the edge. I mean, what, it's hard what to do place you, him. What do you, where do you put him and it's hard to what place position him. group to me, you put him see, in? To me, that's more of a linebacker. Yeah. You know, uh, but with, with, with what Oklahoma got in the, the transfer portal and then obviously Bowen, at say, I, I, I think that secondary – I'm not going ever go down that route. Yeah, I know. I don't want to until I'm not it happens. Doing it. Yeah, Dakota on the text line. Now here's something, and we can get into this in it as we move along throughout July and into August. But the recruiting trail is heating up, and there's a there's a possibility, and this is going to sound ridiculous when I say it. But there is the possibility out there that say, maybe not next year, but in 2025, Oklahoma's second year inside the SEC conference, if the recruiting goes the way it could, and then, of course, there's also that caveat of, oh, by the way, these guys are really that good. But in 2025, there's a chance Oklahoma could have the best defensive line in the in the country. With what they got in PJ Adeboire last year, and then David Stone and Will Winery. Williams Winery is now the number one player in the country at any position on the on three rankings. A couple of five star defensive tackles to go with Adeboire. I mean, you want to talk about a change mm-hmm. in what's available on the defensive line for Oklahoma? Versus what it has been, I mean, I I think I think there's a whole bunch of people that pass out if they saw that kind of talent on the defensive line at OU compared to what it has been. That was the idea of bringing yeah, Venables in, yeah. and I kind of feel like you know everyone's saying this is a make or break season for him. I think the bigger picture, he's a bigger picture hire. Is we're hiring a guy that's going to build a defense for the SEC. You can't do that in two years. Yeah, so. It'll be interesting. But it, that it, is the Venables effect is what we're seeing on the defensive side in recruiting and recruiting and the portal. Yeah, it will be real interesting. I'm I'm very curious about the secondary. I mean, he's 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 hit, I mean, on the recruiting. Now we'll see if it hits on the field. Yeah, I mean but we'll listen, see, but we've seen four four and five star guys come in and OU secondary for a long time now, and none of them have been worth a damn. Yep. Actually on the field. I mean forty four. Yeah. Buki. 
kind of the, the the star of that conversation. So we'll see about Bowen, but man, just just to think about what's possible there on that recruiting trail come the end of July. August one is Winery's commitment date, and it seems like Oklahoma's fended off Tennessee. Seems like Oklahoma's fended off Georgia and uh, Lee Summit High School, Lee Summit, Missouri. Is looking like a pretty good pipeline. Yeah, Caden Green from last year, offensive lineman. You get Winery, Isaiah Mosey is a maybe the best wide receiver in the country for next year's class, twenty twenty fives, all from right there. Pretty good pipeline building. I tell you what, Venables might be the best recruiter of defensive players for the football team. Is Skip Johnson the best recruiter for the yeah. offensive players? Because this uh, Taylor Tatum mm-hmm. guy, yeah. I mean, it's down to two schools, OU and USC, running back from uh, where Texas. Somewhere. Longview. Longview, Texas. And they're giving them the promise of, come here, you can play both. And there's a there's a bunch of people that believe the possibility of playing baseball in the SEC is a huge <laughs> yes. factor in the recruitment of I Taylor feel, Tatum. I feel vindicated here. Yeah. I've been saying this is a big move for all sports, especially yep. football, of course, but baseball, too. That's a good point. I, that's a, I didn't even think of that angle. I just thought they're promising that he can play both. Yeah, but playing in the SEC? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the 2025 class, I've seen some rankings. You know who's ranked number 26 in the country in the football rankings? No. 25? No. C.J. Nixon. Weatherford. Oh, oh, the country. Oh, you mean individual. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Guys already verbal to OU? No. No? No. No, no. He hasn't verbal anywhere. Oh, we got an offer. Offer. My apologies. I guess his family's from Alabama. I did not know this. And that Alabama offer will be a big one in his mind. Oh, man. Well, goodbye. Man, we don't know. But anyway, <laughs> that, I mean, just just for, you know, we, we talked about the Carl Albert stuff and the guys that are going to be on the field that night here. Don't forget about that one with Weatherford coming. And C.J. Nixon, not only on the football field, but everybody knows how good a basketball player he is, too. Just incredible. Uh, the talent that's headed this way. Right. Yeah. Really fun year at Big Elk Stadium. A lot of talent coming in. Huh. Wow. Not to mention, you know, the guys in brown and white. Well, of course. Uh, update. Final update of the show from Southern Hills. Ryder Cowan, four up through nine holes. In his semifinal match. Looks like we're going to have a new champion no matter what. William McDonald is 5-up through 10 against the defending champion Ian Davis. Uh, so, Ryder trying to become the first guy, the uh, first person ever to win the OGA Junior, the OGA Junior match play, the OGA stroke play, and, of course, the uh, the state amateur going on right now at Southern Hills. Ryder 4-up through 9 in his semifinal match. So, good stuff. Good stuff today. We just got we didn't even get to all the Big Twelve stuff. We can do some more of that tomorrow. Uh, it's two days of Big Twelve yeah. media, and we'll have some things coming out, filtering out from today that yeah. we can discuss tomorrow. I want you to explain something to me tomorrow. We're gonna get to it. All right. It's been the Skinny on Sports right here on the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening.